Nehemiah chapter 2. You had read in your hearing verses 11 through 20. Last week we talked about the fact that uh, as Nehemiah had been praying for about four months, God answered his prayer by the king granting him a leave of absence, by the fact that the king granted him letters so that he could go through various areas of the country to get passage. God gave him an army to go with him. And God also provided for Nehemiah some of the base materials that he would need to rebuild the wall of the temple and all the things that were made up there in Jerusalem, as well as his own house. Is not our God a great God? Oh, yes, he is. Nehemiah was an ordinary man, called to do an extraordinary work. And in chapter 2, as we conclude this, we find out that uh, he says, So I went to Jerusalem and was there for three days. Then I rose in the night and a few men with me. Notice that Nehemiah says, I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me but the one on which I rode. I went out by night by the valley gate to the dragon spring and the dung gate, and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then he says, then I came on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. Then I went up in the night by the valley and inspected the wall and turned back and entered the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. And I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were to do the work. Then I said to them, notice what he says, you see the trouble we are in. How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good and also of the words the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. But you always have somebody that's opposing. But when Sembalat, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite, servant of Gesh and Geshem, the Arab, heard of it. They jeered at us and despised us and said, What is this thing that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Then I replied to them, The God of heaven will make us prosper, and we his servants will rise and build. But you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. An ordinary man called to do extraordinary things. If you read through that whole section there, you find some great things that God has left on record for us to take and to be encouraged, to be encouraged by. Let's us know that in verse 11 it says, So Nehemiah went up to Jerusalem and was there for three days. It ties into what happened in the book of Ezra where really Nehemiah had taken some time for rest. He'd been praying, he'd been fasting. He's been digitally seeking after God, and he takes a little respite here because he understands what's getting ready to take place in the next few days as he gets ready to start the rebuilding of the wall and parts thereof. Amen? 
application is it's not wrong for us to have sometimes to have a period of rest. All work and no play makes, was it Jack? A dull, evil, contentious person sometimes. And some of us need to take a little break and get some R&R. There's nothing wrong with that. We live in an age where we are on the go all the time. I know people who, if you ask them to sit still for just a while, they actually could not do it. The fact that sometimes we even talk about fasting and praying. Just take time in the stillness and the quietness of the hour. Just you and God alone. Sometimes it just drives many of us right up the wall. We're not used to the silence. We're not used to the fast pace that we live our lives. We need to slow down a little bit. What did the psalm says? Be still and know that I am God. But the fact is, we must need to be what? Still. Light somewhere. Find a place that you and God can be alone with. So here's Nehemiah. He's there at the city. He takes some time for rest. And then he gets into what I would call the inspection of what was going on. He's getting ready to do a great work for God, but he's not a foolish person in the sense that he just walks in and says, now this is what we're going to do. He takes the time to go out and inspect the walls and the city and see what was going on. Catch what he, if you read that from verse 11, from 12 on, he gets on an animal. Many believe it's not, not so much a horse, but a donkey. He rides through the city. He goes to gate, the dung gate. He goes to the valley gate, to the dragon gate. And he talks about there, he says, that were broken down and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Then he goes to the fountain gate and to the king's pool. And he talks about there was no room for the animal to pass for, uh, from, from the destruction. He had to go in there. Then he says, I went by night. Both times he's doing this. At what time? In the nighttime. So that many times when you have to do it, sometimes God calls you to do a great thing. You can't tell everybody what you're about to do. Remember, in chapter 1, Nehemiah says, the reason why I feel this burden is because God's hand has been placed upon me to go back and to rebuild the wall. Nobody else had it, but Nehemiah had it. But Nehemiah understood sometimes what I and you don't understand is he couldn't do it by himself. And so Nehemiah says, I went and I'm inspecting all these various gates and I'm looking at the city. And, and catch what he says here. He says, I went up to the night. There, he said, I went by night in verse 15, by the valley to inspect the wall and turn back. And he entered by the valley gate and so returned. And here's what he says. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. And I had not yet told the Jews. He hasn't spoken of anything. He's riding around looking at what's going on, surveying what the job would entail, and says, you know what, as I'm doing this, I'm, I'm getting in my mind what we need to do to rebuild the walls and the gates of this city. I haven't told anyone. He even says here he hadn't told the, the Jews, he hadn't told the priests, he hadn't told the nobles or the officials, and the rest who would do the work. All those that will, sometimes we say, I need to know. He didn't tell it. He hasn't told anybody. So far as him. And God, as he's surveying the land, he's seeing what's going on. He says, I haven't told anyone about what, they, what we're about ready to do. And even, like, I like what he says, from the peace, the nobles, the officials, and the rest. Talk about the people who were to do the work. Nehemiah had been called by God to, do the, to help the rebuilding of the wall. But he understood something else. 
that he could not do it. It took the people to do the work. And then finally, in verse 17, we have, after we get done with Nehemiah and his estimation and his report, we have Nehemiah's invitation. Notice what he says here in verse 17. Then I said to them, now he's going to talk to the people. He says, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Did you catch what he said? He did not say, you see the trouble you are in. He said, you see the trouble we are in. It's a we, not a you. Amen? So many times we want to put everything on everybody else. But no, 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 no. Nehemiah says, he says, you see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. You see the destruction because many of them will li- actually were living in it. They had grown accustomed to the disorder. They had grown accustomed. They were so used to seeing the walls and the gates burned and all the destruction that they that as they were living in the city, they got used to that. They were comfortable in going out and having their barbecue dinners on the gates that were burned. They were comfortable in having their get-togethers outside, knowing that the gates of the city were open to, for anybody to come in. They got comfortable where they were at. How many times have you and I got comfortable where we are? It's amazing. I used to watch, I, I haven't watched it in a long time, and I really can't watch it because it's depressing to me. But I used to watch Hoarders. And it got, it was amazing to me how people got used to living in that situation. Amen? I mean, some of the absolute filthiest conditions you could imagine. But they got comfortable in living in that. To the point that many of the episodes I watched, they didn't want to get rid of a lot of the trash and all the stuff that you and I would just throw away without even thinking about it. Here's my question for, for myself and for us. How comfortable are we? Are we content to live in the squalor and in the trash and the devastation that surrounds us in our daily life? Have we? We see it. Maybe we are even experiencing it ourselves. But we've gotten so used to it that we're not moved by it anymore. That's what happened with these people. They had become comfortable, sometimes like you and I have become comfortable, in the condition in which they were living. But Nehemiah says, you see it. You see the trouble we are in. You see how the gates were burned, how our city lies in ruins. I thought about ourselves, the people in our life. Many times we can see the destruction in the lives of some of our friends and loved ones. Many times we can see the destruction of the, of the city that we live in. Lies turn us out. People, I came early this morning to the church, and then when I went back home, I think there's a sign right over here on uh, South South Street that talks about the, the drug problem. And it says, make sure you have, I don't know if it's Narcan or Naxium or whatever the drug is. Make sure you have access to that because it's become an epidemic. Make sure you have this available so if you come across somebody that might need that, They call, uh, I think it's Narcan, they call it the resurrection drug because people who are on these opiates and on this heroin are are at the point of death, and when they get the shot, (gasps) they come back to life. But I got one better than that. People who are spiritually in ruin, we see it. 
Some of us even know it, but we've gotten comfortable. We've been talking about in Sunday school, it's not an option for us as believers. It's really a command. We must share the gospel. That is the only thing that's going to save this world, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can have all the proposed programs you want to, but in the end, what God has designated to save this world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. What could take a person that's been on drugs, been involved in prostitution, been involved in lying and stealing and cheating and all the other things, what will take that person from that point to a life of living for God? Nothing but the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some of these people have gotten so used to this Narcan. I hope I'm saying the right thing. If not, somebody can correct me. But if that's the drug they use, some people have gotten so used to it, they've had it multiple times. See, it's one, just, just imagine, you've been at the point of death, not just once, not just twice, but five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. And each time you're almost getting to be called out of here, somebody gives you a shot of this stuff. That's a systemic problem. But you can fix, you may fix the problem by giving them the shot, but what they need is a resurrection of their heart. The old timers knew what they were talking about. God gave me a new way of talking, a new way of walking, a new way of singing, a new way of shouting. Why? Because it started from the inside and worked its way out. That's what man needs. That's what we need from the inside out. A complete change of the way we operate. And that's what salvation, that's what the gospel does. The gospel changes you from way you, what you used to think to now that you think about how God thinks. You think God's way. It's not about you anymore. It's all about God. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to be? Lord, wherever it is, help me to be a follower of you. Walk down the aisle. That's a great thing. Say, I want to be saved. Say, I want to be part of church. But after that, then what? Is what Jesus is going to ask us. So here's Nehemiah. He says, yes, you see it. We, we, we drive by it. We drive through it. We drive around it. He says, you see the trouble we are in. But notice what he says. How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come. There's the invitation. Come. Let us. Not you. Not just me. Us, come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. He's inviting the people, come, listen, you see the destruction, but now let's do something about it. Come, let us build. That's my challenge to Cornerstone Baptist Church. To every single person that's in here, if you're a member or if you're not a member, come, let us build together. We got a lot to build on. You know where you are personally, and you know where our community is personally. Come, let us build together. Come, let us build the wall of Wilmington. Come, let us build the wall of your own family by name. Come, 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 let us build. Join me and others in this church to affect a change, not just in your life, but in the life of the community where which we live. I heard a person that was preaching about this, and they made this a, this is a good point. See, many times people are trying to find a place to serve other than where they are. He says, come, let us build. Where were they? In the city of Jerusalem. Okay? You and I live in Wilmington. 
You and I are part of the community. You and I, some of us, are members of Cornerstone Baptist Church. Amen? When he talks about come, let us build, you don't have to go somewhere else to build. We have enough to build right here. Why are we running around trying to build somewhere else when we need to build right here where we are? If you are a member, and I am a member of 225 Randolph, Cornerstone Baptist Church, the challenge to many of you is come and build here. Why? Because you live in Wilmington. And to be honest with you, I'm sick and tired of folks talking about a bunch of trash. The same problems we talked about 50 years ago is the same problems we're talking about now. Come, let us build to the glory of God, a community of faith, of believers. We may not necessarily always agree. We may not always necessarily like one another. But one thing we got to do is two things. We got to love each other and we got to love this community. Because love supersedes the fact that you don't like me. You don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. We are commanded by God. You don't see God said, God didn't tell us, this is what I tell you. You need to like each other. No, he didn't say like. He said, we are commanded to Love one another as I have loved you. So should you love one another. You know how bad you are. I don't have to tell you. And in case you think you're good, you are. You're bad. And God in his great love loved you in spite of. The same love he gave to you is the same love he wants you to give to me and to others that we come in contact with. We had in our Sunday school lesson this morning, you have to love those that even hate you. And make no mistake, there are people that you and I, you say, I don't have no enemies. Well, that's because you're blinded. Oh, you got some enemies. You, they may not have told you, but there, there's some people out there that, don't, that don't have, do not have your well-being at stake. They smile in your face when they see you and talk about you like a dirty dog when you're gone. As soon as you walk away, you're like, no, I never did like him. He just thinks he just blah, blah, blah. They ain't gonna, hey, hey, brother, how you doing? Yeah, I got you. Uh-huh. He says, come let us build. That's what I want us to do. So I said, what is, what is it you want us? What do you, what do you want from us? I want from you to join me in building a community of baptized believers here at 225, 225 Randolph that we will go out into the community of Wilmington and spread the good news of the gospel to tell men, women, boys, and girls there's a better way of living. The best life that you could ever live is a life rooted and grounded in Jesus. Not part-time, not when you feel like it, not when it's convenient, but every single day. You need to come out and with intentionality live for Jesus. Be on mission every single day. Not just a few of us that come on Wednesday night. There ought to be more people coming on Wednesday. If you could be here on Wednesday, you need to be here. There is no excuse. None. I said, well, but that's how it works. Fine. Got it. That's reasonable. But if you're just sitting at home on your behind and doing nothing, oh, you need to be here. You really need to be here. Because we're making prayer a big emphasis in our church. And many of you are missing out on the blessings of, of coming together and we're dividing out and we're going and we're praying as a church body. It ought not to be the same 5, 6, 8, 12 people. It ought to be the 30 or 40 or 50 of us that say we're members of this church. Come, 
Let us build together. The reason why some of you are on the outside looking in is because you elected to be on the outside. You chose that. It's about your convenience. It's about what your schedule is. Not about what God's is. You'll bust your behind to do everything else, but no, put God. Come, come on, come on, come, come, come with us. Help us build. Help us establish in your personal life and in the life of those that you come in contact, your own loved ones, that man, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there is none other. Jesus is the way. My heart aches because I see people who somehow, some way, seemingly don't care about the things of God. Care about everything else. We'll bust and do for a lot of things, but when it comes to the very things of God, we put God on the back burner. Nehemiah says, God told me that I was supposed to go back and rebuild the wall, but i got to let you know something. My fathers who were a part of this city were here involved with the burning and the destruction, but come, let us build and let us restore Jerusalem and the walls back to its glory. Come, members of Cornerstone. Some of you who are on the out looking in, some of you who are on the fringes, and some of you know you are. I talk about you because just to be tough, you know where you are. You know that you are on the periphery. You come and go and do. But when it comes to the things of God, I can't come on Wednesday night. Why? I can't come to Sunday school. Why? Not when you don't really have a a good reason. Let's just be honest with ourselves. We just like not to go. But you're important. You, you, You say you're part of the family. Some of you who don't come, we, we, we're going to put you specifically on the prayer. We're going to call some people by name. You say, I don't want my name called. Oh, yeah, you need your name called. Why? Because we can encourage, we can ask, and seemingly our encouragement, our asking isn't doing anything. But I tell you what, when we put names on the prayer list and say, God, deal with this specific people, this list of people, we want you to move in their hearts and their life to help them have a desire to want to come and to serve. You have gifts, you have talents that we need. Come on! Help us build! But God has already started. He says, come and let us build. And that's my encouragement to, to all of us here today. Today, You see it. You know it. He says, and I told them of the hand of my God. That's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that the hand of my God, the same God that I serve is the same God that you serve, I hope, that have been upon me for good. We didn't start this out of a whim and out of, out of just to do it. We believe God called us here to do a work. And since he's called us to do a work, I can't do it by myself. I need others to join with me to help us build. We need Sunday school teachers. We need people on Sunday morning. We need ushers. We need somebody to say, hey, I'm going to take up the ministry of being willing to work with the young people. Uh, whatever it is, we need, I'm going to be willing to come and sing. We need you to come and do whatever it is that you do to make the program available for people to come and say, what a great God God is. He says, I told him, God's hand. If you, don't, if you don't know the story, you need to talk to some people who've been here for a while. Say, what is the story of the church? They will tell you. The only reason why we're here today is because God's hand, God's gracious hand has actually been upon us. 
Because we, by all rights, we shouldn't even be here. But God's hand is on us. He said, come, let us build. Come. I told him the hand of my God had been upon me for good. And also the words of the king. Not only a divine message, but also an earthly. Not just that God told him, but the king allowed him to go and do what he had to do. He knew it. God told me, but also the king granted me access. So I know I'm doing the right thing because, number one, God said it. And number two, the king followed right along. But I like what he, what he says in that next verse. And this is what I would encourage each and every one of us. He says, I told him of God's hand being upon me for good and the words of the king. And then he says, and they said, the people's response. He's telling them, he's pouring his heart out. Come, let us build. And the people's response is this. Let us. Not let you, Nehemiah. Let us rise up and build. That's what I need to hear from you. That's what God wants to hear from us. Let us. God, let us at Cornerstone. All members, president accounted for. Let us rise up and let us build. That's what God wants to hear from us. Let us rise up and let us build. So they, the people, so they strengthen their hands for the good work. The people's response was, come. Let us rise and build. And after they said that, then they put their hands to where their mouth was. They strengthened their hands for the work. That's what I'm asking of you. Amen. I'm going to look at some of us. I'm going to look at you. Strengthen your hands for the work. Don't leave it to just a few. Amen. Each person here has something to do. Strengthen your hands. Right now, this morning, I'm going to have a special call. We did it at, at, at the anniversary in, in past appreciation, but some of you weren't here. Don't know why you weren't here. You just opted not, not to come, I guess. But you're going to have an opportunity this morning because we're going to have a call. Everybody that wants to be a part of the work, everybody that wants to know that God's gracious hand is on us, God's gracious hand is on you, I want you to rise up in a few moments, and I want you to strengthen your hands. So, okay, I'm in this. I'm in it. I'm in this. Amen? If you can't do it, don't do it. Don't do it just because you're watching people look around you and say, oh, I better get up and go because if I don't go, somebody's going to talk about me. Don't worry about that. If your heart ain't in it, don't come. I'd rather for you to be real and honest than to be faking it. You know what happened to Ananias and Sapphira when they come giving their offering? Lying to the Holy Spirit. We sold it all. We gave it. Oh, no, you didn't. Why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? Those, the, see those guys back there at the back door? They're coming to get you. Wouldn't we be operating differently if on a Sunday morning God actually caused the people to drop dead because we have lied to the Holy Spirit of God? What's wrong with Brother Myers? Why is he just, he's dead because he was lying to the Holy Spirit. You, this ain't no, my brother said, this ain't no joke. This is a serious thing. They put their hands that's what I want. I want you to tell me this morning, I want to put my hands to the work. I want to get my hands dirty. The other day I had the brakes on my daughter's car change, or on our car, excuse me, on our van change. 
And the guy showed me the part, and it was worn, and it need, the pads need to be changed. And he said, oh, man, I'm sorry. Your hands are all black and, and greasy. And he said, I got some special stuff that can wash it off. So he goes in, and he gives me a little squirt of some grit. And I rubbed it, and instantaneously it all came off. He said, now you can go in the house and wash your hands. You're good to go. That's what God wants to do with us. We got some dirt on us. He wants to take by the power of the Holy Spirit and cleanse us, fix us, so that we can strengthen our hands for the work. Amen? So they strengthen their hands for the work. But don't be fooled. In this room today and outside this room, I ain't a fool. And neither is God. For there always will be the buts. The Sambala, the Tobias, the Greshams around. Ain't going to be happy. If God starts doing a work of grace with you, or God starts doing a work of grace in us, oh, there's going to be some people right here, some of us right here in this room. Some of us on the outside, there's going to be some people, that are, they're not going to like it. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, no, 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 no. These people, we're getting excited about the things of God. People are coming. People's lives are being, oh, no, 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 no. We can't have that. It's all no pastors. Everybody, everybody wants, no, baby. Uh-uh, uh-uh. There's always, always going to be the Symbolics and the Tobias and the Gersons of the world that are going to say, it don't take all that. It, we don't need all that. I don't like all that. And guess what? I like Nehemiah. Because here's what Nehemiah says. For, for, for the Tobias and the Symbolics and the Gersons of the world, he says, let me tell you something. I will tell you like he told, I will tell us if there's anybody in here like this, I'm telling you like Nehemiah told them. The God of heaven will make us prosper. Oh, you can't stop God's program. The God of heaven who I serve will make us prosper. Guaranteed. Why? Because we serve a great big God and he's not going to allow his church to fail. You can do all you want to to stop the kingdom and program of God. You can't do it. It's bigger than you. The God of heaven will make us prosper. And we, those of us who are willing to join hands and put our strength in our hands to the work, and we, his servants, will arise and build. Not we might, not we could, but we will do it in the power, in the strength, of God himself. And if you don't want to be a part of it, that's all right. But God's servants and his people, those of you who are willing in the next moment to get up and say, I want to be part of this. I want to strengthen my hands. I want to help us to build and be prosperous and watch God's hand move us from this point further on down the road. If you're willing to do that, then you need to come on down here. Because Nehemiah tells the people, those that were against him, he says, God of heaven will make us prosper. And we, his servants, will arise and build. But you, those of you who do not want to join, you will have no portion or right. She said, I have a right. No, you won't have a right or be able to be a portion. I have a portion thereof or have claim to what God is doing. He said, Jerusalem, I'll say in the church. You won't have any right to claim because you're not part of it. Amen? Somebody said, that's awful hard. No, that's just the way it is. Those of us who are willing to do it, we receive the blessings. 
Those of us who are opposed and don't want to follow and don't want to do, it is what it is. That's what Nehemiah said. I want you to strengthen your hands. I want you to become part of this program. But if you can't follow, if you're going to be a Tobiah and a Zimbabwe and a Geshem, guess what? You have no right, nor claim, or portion. Be a part of the victory that God's going to give us. You have that option. That's up on you. But for those of us that are willing to do it, we're going to come and we're going to watch this thing grow. We're going to watch this thing pop. We're going to watch this thing be what God wants it to be. Amen? All why? Because God's gracious hand is upon us. Amen?